Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis.org, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. Hi, I'm Rishi Desai. Welcome to Raise the Line. The popularity of online medical care has grown tremendously during the COVID pandemic, and new services seem to be popping up all the time to take advantage of a new level of comfort that both providers and patients have with this approach. But some companies have been providing virtual healthcare for many years. And today on Raise Line, we're going to talk to the co-founder of one of the pioneering firms in the space to get his perspective on the current use of this modality and where it's heading. Dr. Jeffrey Rutledge is Chief Medical Officer of HealthTap, a leading virtual healthcare provider. He's been involved with the use of computer-based technologies to improve healthcare throughout his 25-year career as a physician, teacher, researcher, and medical executive. Thanks so much for being with us today. Nice to meet you, Rishi. So maybe we can just start out by learning a little bit more about you and what got you first interested in healthcare, particularly in emergency medicine or EM. Thanks. Uh, fundamentally, I am a physician. I, I had started as an undergraduate doing research in molecular biology and realized that uh, my real passion in life was about connecting with people and, and recognized that, that becoming a doctor would be a wonderful way to have a career reaching out and helping people individually. I do have a bit of a technology bent, though, and um, actually pursued uh, further formal studies in computer science and realized that as a physician, after getting into practice and um, teaching and uh, practicing medicine, realized there was this huge opportunity to apply technology to make healthcare better. And that as a physician, I could reach more people building technology solutions that improve the way doctors give care, giving support for doctors and patients to have a better healthcare experience. So what was the status quo like when you first sort of entered the healthcare field with respect to technology? What was the landscape like at that time? Well, I have to admit, I did start practice before computers were in common use. Um, actually, I'll share with you that I, I initially built my first computer while I was still in medical school. This was before the Apple II was uh, first uh, released. And um, so I was very interested in technology and the use of technology in the process of care from the earliest stages. But medicine was entirely paper-based. I mean, fax machines were the state of the art and the new thing that swept through uh, medical care in the day. Uh, our processes in medicine have typically been quite manual and very paper-driven over the years. We've seen, of course, the advent of technology that was first applied for administrative and billing tasks. Uh, naturally, much of the industry has suffered from that origin as uh, technical administrative and billing um, payments uh, support rather than direct clinical support. It's been my uh, joy to see and watch the technology evolve to uh, apply the technology to support the delivery of clinical care. And that's certainly where my personal focus is in terms of using the technology to understand the processes of care to give knowledge-based and uh, directed uh, clinical support to doctors uh, to give them the kind of information. I guess I would mention parenthetically that healthcare really is, the delivery of healthcare is an information service. We think about the personal and the touch and the needed um, relationship that doctors have with their individuals. But in terms of the medical care and the actual treatment provided, it really is based on information. And so computers are wonderful tools for putting the information together in ways, both collecting information, displaying it, showing it to doctors, and also inferring what the information means and giving doctors information about appropriate alternative or best possible courses of action for any given patient. So I guess the part of that that's intriguing, especially now, is the inference part. And where do you think the technology stands right now with respect to taking information and inferring the meaning behind it? 
Well, I think we're still very much at the early stages. And there's a lot of uh, excitement when the mandates or the uh, motivations and the incentive programs for getting EHRs into clinical practice were enabled. And so we have now, through the penetration of uh, EHRs in clinical practice, we're in a stage where we're collecting the information. What we've failed to do, or at least how should we say we're in the early stages of defining standards such that, that information is in standardized formats that it can actually be used consistently, particularly across clinical systems. The bottom line is that there are demonstrations that it's possible to use the information in EHR to make inferences and representations that show doctors the implications of the information in the system, but we're, we're still in the early phases of deployment. I mean, at HealthTap, for example, when you do a symptom assessment, You'll see an example of this where the uh, information about symptoms and risk factors and features of an individual and their prior history are brought together using a knowledge-based system to identify the possible explanations for a given uh, scenario, a given set of symptoms that uh, someone has. And that's just an example of how it's possible to do that. But collecting that information has to be done in a standard way if we're going to use such systems in a standard fashion across multiple healthcare systems. So how did HealthTap get started? We started the company uh, a little more than 10 years ago when we recognized there was an opportunity to bring healthcare to mobile devices. If you think about it, it was very early after the release of the first uh, iPhones and, and tablets and phones were really in the early stages of use. We had seen at that point early use of phones for different kinds of transactions. I mean, for example, banking had gone to phones and demonstrating it was possible to do secure things that people cared about that had value on their devices. And at the time, there's absolutely no access to health care or health services uh, on mobile devices. And we thought that there was a real opportunity to build a platform that would deliver, enable doctors to deliver healthcare through their devices, instead of building a platform and a company that would be able to deliver healthcare through mobile and electronic devices. So walk me through kind of what the experience is like, both for the providers as well as maybe patients or users of HealthTap. What is that flow like for them? You point out, if I may uh, underscore, that it's important that the experience work for both providers and for uh, patients. Uh, for this to be a successful service, it has to be something that both parties find useful and appropriate and effective. Uh, the experience we have, we've designed a platform that enables, uh, on the consumer side, someone to gain access to information and support and directly connect them with uh, doctors. We've built an interface that's device independent so that whether you're accessing this on a smartphone platform, whether it's iOS or Android, or whether you're actually using a mobile or web-enabled device, rather, you can use a desktop or a notebook, and the interface and the interactions are the same across all of those uh, platforms. And the idea is to make it self-explanatory and obvious and easy to use. So a person with a health concern can simply sign in and uh, ask a question. We allow free-form text questions to be asked. And what we do is, if we don't already have the answer to that question, we can send it to doctors and the doctors will give an answer to it. But because we had so many questions already submitted and so many answers from doctors already delivered, most of the time when you ask a question on health tab, we already have someone before asked a similar question, the doctors already answered it. So you get an answer from a doctor immediately when you ask a question because there's a library. There's something like 3 million answers in the library already from doctors. We've invited doctors. So on the other side, as the first step, doctors have the ability to uh, sign in and uh, engage people 
by providing answers to their questions. I just say engage people. They're really engaging in the uh, in the health. They're engaging in the information needs that people have. So that if people have questions about health, and the first stop is to ask a question. We'd like to comment that people first go to Dr. Google and ask their questions there. It's astonishing how many uh, health-related questions are asked on Google every day. But the reality is that it's very hard for people to interpret or understand the results on Google based on how trustworthy the uh, source of the answers are. Uh, what we set out to do at HealthTap was create a place where people could get trusted answers. And so by having verified doctors give the answers uh, to questions that people have greater trust and ability to uh, understand the answer. The other thing that doctors give, of course, is they give answers that are appropriate in the context of the person who's asked the question. We like to joke that um, on WebMD, every headache gets turned into brain cancer within three clicks. When It is true that when you ask about headaches, that one of the causes of headache is brain cancer. But it's very easy to find the answer that's very scary and complex and difficult, even if that answer isn't relevant or likely to be of use to the individual. So Jeff, one of the things with what you said is that different physicians might bring different opinions to the table. I'm just curious, you know, for example, let's take a question like, you know, I'm pregnant, should I get a booster shot for COVID-19 vaccine? And, and different physicians might answer that slightly different, bringing up different studies, different points of view. Do you ever have a situation where a patient might read an answer to that and then a physician might say, well, you know, that's not quite how I would have answered that question. How do you deal with that? That's a really good point. What we've been able to do with this feature on HealthTap, this doctor question and answer feature, which of course, just one of many things that we do on HealthTap, is the first step before you access care is getting answers to your question. What we've done is we've reproduced what actually happens in the real world when you talk to a doctor. When you go and see your doctor and ask a question, you get one answer from one doctor. And to your point, doctors do vary in their approach and understanding of various problems. And if you were to ask three different doctors, you might find you got three slightly different answers to the same question. We've reproduced that, except now on HealthTap, when you ask a question, multiple different doctors will answer the question. On the doctor's side, one of the things they really enjoy doing is being able to read other doctors' answers because they learn from and have their own information and knowledge supported or confirmed in the process. So it's an educational experience for doctors, but as a side effect of reviewing other doctors' answers, what you see is that when a doctor disagrees or has a different opinion, they have an easy method to express that opinion. They can either, if they think an answer is incomplete, a doctor can add a comment on the previous answer so that it extends and complements the original answer. If the doctor thinks they actually have a significantly better answer than the one that's there, they simply enter a new answer. And the patient who asks the question gets to see both the first answer from the first doctor and the second answer. The patient also gets to see who the doctor is by looking at the profile. They can see the background, the training, the specialty, the experience, and the location, which allows them to interpret the different answers that um, different doctors give. And I've been very impressed with the degree to which doctors, when they see an answer they think is not the best answer for a person, feel really compelled to go and give the information that that person who asked the question needs. And it's been wonderful to see that because in the end, what you see is the range of opinions are expressed, but other doctors weighing in. I should mention that as part of the peer review process, when a doctor sees an answer that they do agree with, 
there's an agree button. And when you hit the agree button, that gives the person that asked the question further confidence. When you have different answers, the doctors will agree with a better answer. And by seeing the answers and the result of the doctor's agreement with those answers, it becomes really obvious which answers are the ones that most doctors agree with and which answers actually represent a more fringe or, or different or not widely held opinion. And this is a unique characteristic of the question and answer feature on HealthTap. We've used the crowd to source the expertise rather than having a single editorial board defining what is the right answer versus not the right answer. And this allows us to have a broader range of topics, a much larger set of content, and a much more consistent and overall meaningful answers to uh, questions people ask. Does a clinician's reputation score, per se, change? Uh, let's say they've gotten lots and lots of positive feedback from the community, lots of agreement with what they're saying. When they go in to answer a new question, does that get reflected in terms of how their answer is weighed or presented to the reader? That's a wonderful question, and the answer is yes. What we do is when a doctor gives an answer, we understand the topics of every end. The technology in our system, we have a comprehensive consumer-focused ontology of health topics. So for each answer and for each question, we know what the medical topics are related to that uh, question and answer. When another doctor agrees with that answer, the doctor who gave the answer gets credit for the topics in the question. And then the doctors create, we call this a known for score. The doctor becomes known for the topics that uh, when they give an answer on, other doctors agree with. And this allows us to uh, create a, a reputation score. We call it a doc score for each doctor based on how often when they give an answer, other doctors agree with it. And then we use the doc score to influence the ranking of the answers. When there's multiple answers given to a question, the doctor with the highest uh, doc score will increase the uh, weight of that answer. We also look at other things like whether the answer was specifically agreed with by other doctors. So we can present when there's multiple opinions, we can present the opinion that appears to represent the consensus of doctors rather than the, the individual opinion of an individual uh, doctor. And I'm very, very proud of this system that at scale helps people get answers from doctors. And as I said before, this is just the first step in the journey on HealthTap to achieve care for a given problem or issue if someone has. You know, one of the main competencies, as you know, of physicians from the ACCME is around knowledge. And it seems to me that this doc score would feed in beautifully into a person's demonstration of an ongoing maintenance of their knowledge base. What do you think of that idea? I like it a lot. The uh, idea of doctors expressing or exhibiting their knowledge on the site and helping people directly. We try to present incentives and rewards for doctors who are able to help people. The doc score is one of them. We also show doctors, for example, the number of people that their answers have reached. So we call it a people helped score, which uh, doctors are really quite fond of. But on the, on the learning side, we also enable doctors to learn about topics. One of the things that I'm very excited to see happen is that when a doctor sees a question that they don't know the answer to, we give them the ability to search the medical literature and learn about the topic of the question. And as a result of spending time reading the peer-reviewed medical literature and learning about medical issues, the doctor can earn a CME. In fact, it's unlimited. Uh, category one CME doctors get for reading and learning about questions to better enable them to help someone and in the same process learn. So one of the things that I'm very proud of in the doctor's side is that doctors are able to consistently not only help people, but learn in the process and get rewarded by earning CME along the way. 
You know, another kind of major concern that's been raised uh, with virtual health services is continuity of care, you know, seeing different physicians or clinicians each time they go in to get checked out. How does HealthTap address that issue? It's also a very good point. Traditionally, I think you're right. Uh, virtual care has traditionally been sort of transactionally oriented, more like an urgent care, where each time you go, you see a new doctor, and that doctor doesn't know you individually and doesn't isn't able to give you evaluation and care in the context of your everything else that's just not possible to do in a single very short visit. What we've done in HealthTap is we've created something we call the virtual primary care clinic where a person can actually choose a doctor or when they meet a doctor in urgent care, if they like the doctor and that doctor works in the virtual primary care clinic, they can schedule an appointment with that doctor. So someone can choose and select a doctor who becomes their personal care physician, who gets to know them, manages them, and is available to them by schedule. We've also enabled the text communication. Once you've established yourself with the doctor, then you can send text to the doctor to ask about a specific issue or to inquire about a concern. And the doctor can respond either by answering the question, by making a treatment, or by suggesting that actually what you need is another visit in order to sort out uh, what to do and the care. We've established the ability to have a long-term, longitudinal relationship with a doctor that you've picked, that you get to know, who knows you, cares for you and manages uh, your health concerns over time. I think this is a huge advantage for people, particularly those that don't have easy access to a primary care physician or for whom their problem doesn't really require in-office care. When you look in primary care physician services, you see that the large majority of time people who are come to the office and have a visit don't actually need an in-person encounter. They need the time and the attention and the interaction with the doctor, but that interaction could be done equally well virtually. And I'd point out in some cases, the virtual interaction is even better. It's sort of like doing a house call. You get to see the person in the context of where they are and learn. I often am surprised how much I learn about a person's living situation by doing a video consult where I get to see where their home setting is. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I guess I'm, I'm curious then where you see this going. Like, What do you think are the big challenges in the next five to 10 years that have not yet been fully solved with respect to virtual healthcare? So I think the reality is that ideal care uh, integrates virtual and in-person care. Very clearly, there are people that even if if 85% of the time the person is well and needs ongoing routine care that can be done virtually, there is a fraction of time that care needs to be done in person. There's certain manipulations or procedures or injections or treatments or physical evaluations and testing that simply needs to be done in person. And so the virtual care, although it can handle the majority of problems that most people have, needs to be better integrated with the in-person world. Um, And when I first got started, I thought of virtual care as an adjunct to in-person care that would be useful in between visits. And we've evolved now to realize that actually it can be the first and the primary care, but still the better integration of when it's needed uh, transition to in-person care is this problem that needs to be solved. So what do you think all this says about our overall healthcare system? I mean, now that COVID has swept across the country and the world, where does HealthTap fit into this kind of new world order with respect to healthcare? Well, it's, it's a longer discussion to talk about the American healthcare system and the way in which it is uh, broken up and healthcare is delivered. But I do believe there's a huge role for a consistent virtual care platform where I think the majority of people, it turns out it's astonishing how many people don't have a relationship with a primary care physician. 
don't have access to, and they view healthcare as something when a problem occurs, then find a place to get the problem solved, as opposed to having someone to be with you during the journey of your life as you achieve or seek to maintain a healthy lifestyle and a long-term existence. Uh, I think, therefore, that in the future, everyone should have a virtual primary care physician as a starting point and as a guide, as a someone who can orchestrate their access to other forms of care. By meeting someone who knows you and understands you and having that person be the first touch point for healthcare, that ensures that the care you get is the care you need. Right now, people self-select for the care they want. And if they make the wrong selection, if you have chest pain and you go see a cardiologist, but your problem is gastrointestinal or vice versa, you think you have a GI problem, you see a gastroenterologist, you're getting the wrong care and you're getting the necessary care. And um, it's much better if you have someone who knows you can first figure out what care you need and then give you direction to the right next step of care. You know, we're a, we're a teaching company and we love to fill knowledge gaps. I'd be curious to know if there's any topic that you think that uh, our audience should be educated on, something that you think everyone ought to know. It could be anything that you've come across, maybe a myth that often is believed to be true or, or anything along those lines as well. The most obvious and immediate answer, of course, is the uh, the misinformation that exists today related to the COVID pandemic. I don't know that we can solve that uh, here in this venue, but I think the physicians have a role in conveying the magnitude of information we have about the safety and reliability of our current methods of managing COVID. If we could simply uh, spread that information more effectively and uh, get people to understand and trust in their physicians that um, the steps we're talking about, predominantly vaccination, but also social distancing and masking are incredibly important. That's the immediate and topical uh, issue at hand. I think of a general purpose, uh, the idea that a physician can guide someone to have a healthier life a physician can be a helpful resource to stave off or to prevent problems that otherwise are likely to occur with very simple measures. And then connecting with the doctor and having a discussion about um, your lifestyle and your goals in health and life can be a very effective thing. I'd make a distinction between the notion we used to talk about the annual physical, needing to see the doctor for an annual physical. I think it's been fairly well shown that the actual physical exam part of the annual doesn't accomplish anything measurable. On the other hand, connecting with the doctor to talk about your risks and your activities and your health goals is something that can guide and direct you and actually help you achieve a healthier lifestyle. That makes sense. And, you know, I guess that might be a good point to kind of jump into our final question, which is advice. You know, we have seen a huge shift in terms of how people prioritize in-person visits, what they focus on, what they think matters from, let's say, even a few decades ago to now or even one decade ago till now. And so in the midst of this incredible change in terms of how we think about healthcare and what healthcare really offers patients and their families, what advice do you have for young healthcare professionals that may be just joining the field uh, in terms of how they should be thinking about their career, what they should be focusing on, uh, and things along those lines? That's also a very good uh, question, Rishi. I think it sort of goes without saying that doctors today are learning about how to use technology in their practice. Doctors coming into practice today are finding an environment in which uh, the EHR is ubiquitous and the access to services through mobile devices is now a routine part of care. I guess what I personally am impressed with is that there's a fundamental nature of the doctor-patient interaction, which is important we not lose. 
that some of the doctors that I've seen uh, recently coming out of training have a more transactional view about the healthcare they're delivering. And the important thing for doctors to maintain and to have, to have a strength of their own profession in mind, to have the ability to be fulfilled as a physician is really predicated on the fundamental nature of being a physician, which is to connect with your patients. And the technology actually enables those connections, particularly as we think about the video side of uh, connecting remotely. And for doctors to recognize and value that they can be physicians and have a fulfilling medical career connecting with their patients by using video, in addition to all of the technology that supports the more um, information and transactional aspects of uh, delivering care. That makes sense. And I think that's a good note to end on because things have definitely changed and technology is at the at the forefront of, of what's driving a lot of that change. So thank you for bringing that up and thank you for joining us today. Nice chatting with you, Rishi. I'm Rishi Desai. Thanks for checking out today's show. Remember to do your part to flatten the curve and raise the line. We're all in this together. For more information on how you can help raise the line and flatten the curve, go to osmosis.org slash COVID-19. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our podcasts at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast.